Well, I've got good news for us this morning as a church family. And the, the good news is get some rest. At this time of year, we need rest. We've come uh, through uh, another tough year. And the message of God's word from Hebrews chapter 4 is get some rest. God has for you rest, and he wants to give it to you today. Turn with me in your Bibles or your black journals uh, this morning as we begin Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So the rest is there for all of us, but don't fail to reach it. Don't fail to receive it. Don't fail to enter in to the rest that God has prepared for you. Verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's to others, but to us who believe, we have access to God's rest. All of Hebrews chapter 4, from beginning to end, is about entering that rest. Now, we as Americans kind of pride ourselves in working hard and, and getting to where we can retire. And, um, and then we get to rest. Well, I'm not so sure that that view, that worldview, is really healthy or biblical. There's nothing wrong with retiring, but the aspiration that I'm going to work hard during my, my earning years so that I can sit in a Barker lounger in front of my 72-inch screen all day, that is not God's best for you, I promise you. And if you think that when you get to heaven, you're going to be, it's going to like, the highlight of heaven is going to be nap time. You are really messed up in your thinking about heaven. Heaven is not yawning. It's not twiddling thumbs. It's not laying in hammocks or floating on clouds listening to bad music. That's not heaven. Heaven, you're going to be more alive than you've ever been. You're going to be more productive than you've ever been. You're going to be working harder, but enjoying it 10 times more than any work you've ever done here on earth. That's heaven. Heaven is, is, is going to be where your calling, your gifting, your purpose for existence is going to be realized more fully than you ever have on earth. And yet, the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, God wants to give you a taste of what you're going to be enjoying forever on earth. God wants to redeem your work life. God wants to redeem your productivity. And that's what we're talking about rest. Now, it's amazing in the Gospels, in three of the Gospels, Jesus says these words, and I'm going to quote it from, um, it's from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, where Jesus said, he said to them, the Sabbath 
was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now just stop on that for a moment. When it says man was not made for the Sabbath, Sabbath means rest. So what it's saying is you weren't made to rest, but rest was made for you, which will enable you to work more effectively and more productively. So you don't, the goal isn't rest. The goal is living, which includes working, and rest is what enables you to do that better. And the rest that we're talking about here, the Sabbath that God wants us to enter in and live in is for you today. The scripture teaches that this rest is for now and eternity. We know that it's in heaven, but the whole message of the kingdom is the kingdom is now. For those of us that are born again, there's a fine line between what is eternal and what is now. God wants us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, working rigorously, diligently, productively, that's a picture of heaven. And God wants to redeem your work life now so that you get to experience today what you're going to be experiencing more fully when you're in heaven. That's rest. Rest is not the absence of work. Rest is the presence of pleasure. It's not sleeping. It's serving without striving. Rest is not passivity. Rest is peace. Rest is not the lack of activity. It's the lack of aggravation. Rest is not the absence of stress, but it's the absence of distress. This building would collapse if there were not stress points that were engineered into the construction of this building to keep us protected while we're here. The same with the chair or the bench that you're seated on. It's, it's designed to hold the stress of your weight. And, and everything in the human body is designed to handle stress points. But it's the distress that Jesus has conquered for you. Stress and distress is what happened when sin came into the world. And sin led to trying to work and achieve out from under the authority of Christ. That's the source of all irritation. And it's the curse of humanity. That's where God said after sin came into our humanity, he said, from now on, you're going to live by the sweat of your brow. It wasn't that, that work started, but distressful work started. And it came as a result of being disjointed or out of proper alignment with God. And what you and I have access to is rest, true Sabbath, not one day a week, but living each day with the work that God has given us to live it in such a way that it glorifies God, is in alignment with him and his eternal purposes that we thrive in with all the energy that God blessed us with. 
God doesn't want to give you more days off. He wants to redeem every day, so it's a day on. He, doesn't, he did not make you just so that you could work hard for 30, 40 years and then take the rest of your life off. Some of you that have retired have figured out by now that um, there's a lot more to do when you're retired. Um, some of you have, have already made that discovery. But I hope that your retirement wasn't with the thought that now I get to play. No, too many people work at their recreation. They play at their worship, and they worship their work. And that's a life that is completely disoriented. God did not call you, and let me say it again, to worship your work and play at your worship and to live in a way that your recreation is like the best time of the week. The best time of the week isn't when you clock out. The best time of your week, God wants to redeem your workplace so that when you clock in, you can thrive. Rest does not end at the end of the weekend. Or now that the holiday of, of the year end is over, tomorrow you go back to work. It shouldn't be a dreaded thing. God wants to go with you. He's called you to that. And he wants to redeem you so that you take the rest of his presence with you into the workplace tomorrow. When God says get some rest, it doesn't mean clock out. It means receive his presence, receive his blessing. No, for all of you as parents who have worked hard and diligently, let me say, um, for all the midnight feedings, for all the, the meals prepared and the dishes cleaned and, and all that goes with parenting, God bless you and get some rest. For all of you that work hard, 8, 10, 12, 15-hour days in the medical field or in, in so many of you work so diligently, God wants you today to get some rest. For those of you that serve in our church, whether in a, in a life group or going door to door or in soul care or deliverance ministry, evangelism, God wants you to get some rest. This past year, when you add up all that has been accomplished, all the, the successes that, that you've logged and maybe some defeats along the way, with all the weariness that may be stored up after a tough year, God wants to give you rest. There's been some tremendous feats that have been accomplished this year, and, and some crazy ones as well. Um, did you know that this year they built the, the largest sandcastle in sandcastle building history? The, this thing was 69 feet tall. Previously, the, the largest sandcastle ever built was under 30 feet. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty massive. But, but this 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 sandcastle, 69 feet tall. It weighed the sand that was moved to build this sandcastle, 5,000 tons of sand. 
It was done by a couple of uh, engineers uh, in Denmark. And, um, and it, it tells the story of living and thriving during COVID. At the top is the, is the, is the COVID molecule, and the, the crown of the COVID molecule, and then all the intricacy of this, of this enormous sandcastle uh, tells how families and, and how society has thrived and, and coped with, with COVID. Well, it kind of represents the, uh, the added stress of life these past couple years. Then one of the great ones is the youngest preemie that ever survived. On July 5, Curtis Means was born. He was born 132 days early, almost four months, and it's, he's the first child to survive being born at less than one pound. It used to be 30 years ago, it was a miracle if a two-pound preemie survived. This is the first one to survive under one. But all the, the medical attention, all the nursing care, the, the, the prayers, and the blessing on this child is, is truly a miracle. From among ourselves, I need to give a shout out to Stephen Hartley, who set, in my mind, a world record. Technically, I don't think it is, but this year, Stephen did 100,000 push-ups. Yes. I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say all of us cumulatively did not do 100,000 push-ups. So, I mean, it, it's, it's worth a shout out. And, and, and one of my favorites, th this past month, the largest brownie was made. It's 850 pounds. Uh, 1,344 eggs, 212 pounds of butter, 250 pounds of sugar, 81 pounds of flour, 122 pounds of cocoa, five pounds of vanilla extract. Now, the previous record for the largest brownie, in case anyone was wondering, was 243 pounds. 243 pounds. That bad boy, 850 pounds. How many of you would like a whack at trying to have fun with that? Well, there's been a lot of work, a lot of accomplishments this year. But God wants you in the middle of all your achievements, of all your accomplishments, of all the work that's gone into this past year, God wants you to get some rest. And he wants you to know how to access his rest. Because he promises you rest. And the reason rest is a unique gift is because God is the one who has the corner on the market. No one else can give you rest. That's why in Hebrews 4, verse 1, it calls it his rest. Yes. He's the key to rest. In fact, in those words from uh, Mark chapter 2, where Jesus said man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man, then the next thing Jesus says is, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. What that means is Jesus is the Lord or the only one who can give peace. Amen. It doesn't come from any other source. You cannot get peace 
apart from Jesus Christ. You cannot get true rest because your life is out of kilter. You will always be striving to work hard enough to get enough money to make a name for yourself. The striving after rest is the plague of humanity. It's off kilter. The only one who can give rest is God himself. This is not church talk. This is not religious uh, cliche. This is reality. And it's because the, the essence of striving is striving against God or striving without God. It's the essence of striving. The essence of being tormented on the inside and, and, and maybe sitting in a home that you own um, debt-free and, and sitting there in your Barker lounger in front of your 72-inch screen and yet feeling malcontent. It's because God is the corner on the market. God created you and he created rest and the only way you can access rest is in Christ. And so here in this passage, the, the word rest is used 11 times in the first 12 verses. Either rest or resting or twice the pronoun it referring to rest. 11 times in these 12 verses. And in verse 11, it says, this is almost peculiar. Listen to what it says. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now what in the world? If we're talking about rest, how can you strive to enter the rest? It sounds contradictory. Well, the striving to enter the rest is we're striving anyway without Christ. There's an inner turmoil. There's an inner emptiness. There's a longing for something that, that can't ever be satisfied apart from, from a relationship, a covenant relationship with God. And so that striving that's going on inside the soul is, is, is what has to be contended with so that we push back the lies of our culture and find rest only in the source of rest in God himself. Hallelujah. Let us therefore strive. Let us be diligent. Let us be conscientious. Let's be single-minded in pushing away the lies of culture that try to make us play at our worship and work at our, and, and worship our work. God deliver us from that kind of deception. And that's what we strive to push back so that work is in its proper place in alignment under what God wants for us. And our worship becomes first and not of our work, but of the Lord and his presence. And the, the answer is, how do we enter into this rest? What we find here is verse 12, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it's down here in the heart 
where the thoughts and intents and motivations of the heart are exposed. So as it says in verse 13, and no creation, uh, cr no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You see, rest doesn't come from a lack of accountability or a lack of duty. Rest comes from being in alignment and having the false motives and the, the striving issues that are created by false gods and idols of the heart, to have them exposed and, and removed in the light of his word. And notice how his word is described. Living and active. Living means it's alive and it's life-giving. Active means it's active, but it's activating. And so this word that is alive brings life. And this word that's active activates. And it cuts like a sword to the division, notice what it says, of soul and spirit. You see, the striving and the lack of rest comes from our the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's where the striving takes place. But the word of God cuts deeper than the soul and gets down into the motivations to where it's into the spirit. It's your spirit that's born again. It's your spirit that, that rest comes to first. In the, because it's in your spirit that God's spirit comes to dwell. And it's when the word of God feeds your spirit that you then can truly worship him and enjoy the rest that only comes from him. And what's the word for? The word leads us to him. So the next verse, verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Okay, so what's the purpose of the word bringing rest? Well, the word promises rest, but gives us rest in Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of the Sabbath, he's the Lord of rest. So how, well, there's no way we're gonna get rest apart from the Lord of rest, the one who's, who's in charge of rest, and it's in that one who's the Lord of rest that we receive our rest. And it says, it calls him here the great high priest. Well, in Hebrews chapter five, when we're gonna get to this in two weeks from now, we're going to see the, the difference between earthly high priests and, and Jesus. Jesus, the superior high priest. We're going to see uh, about actually 10 ways that Jesus is, is a better high priest. But here in chapter 4, there are two ways. First, it says that our high priest, Jesus, has passed through into heaven. Now, the, what's significant about that is the earthly high priest would go into the, the Holy of Holies and pass through the veil once a year. Well, Jesus didn't go to some earthly sanctuary. 
he passed from, from earth to heaven. So that makes him superior to any earthly priest. But the other way is just as important for us today. Verse 15, and it's a double negative. This verse always kind of upset me. I'm not a stickler for grammar, but we all know you don't use a double negative in English. Well, that's good, except when it's in the Bible. Then even the English teacher in us needs to um, ask why. So why is there a double negative? Well, now, now just follow this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. I've always thought, why doesn't it just say we have a high priest who is able to sympathize? Why don't it just come out and say it? Just say it straight. Why is this double thing going on? We don't have one who's unable. Well, the reason is because this high priest, Jesus, is in contrast to the earthly high priest of Israel, and he was unable to sympathize. He was unable for many reasons. He was kind of quarantined from the rest of society, the high priest. He was alienated from the average person. He could not associate with anyone that wasn't a Levite. So the common people of Israel could not associate with the high priest, and and he couldn't associate with them. And If there was a death in the family, the high priest could not go and visit that family. Uh, They'd have, somebody else would have to comfort because the high priest was uh, not allowed to get next to a dead person. And any death in the family would, would make it unclean for the high priest. Well, aren't you glad that we have a high priest who is completely different? So when it says here, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. It's it's saying basically that everyone else has a high priest who is unable to sympathize, and everyone knew it. So using that as the starting point, they they make a very logical, though in English a little clumsy way of saying it, but it's pointing out the fact that Jesus makes house calls. Jesus knows what you struggle with. He knows your stress points. He knows the hardships of making ends meet financially. And when there's a death in the family, Jesus is the first one there. That's the point. That Jesus is this one. And specifically, when we are exhausted, whether through our own working too hard or being out of alignment, something is off, regardless of the cause of our exhaustion. Today, Jesus wants to give you rest. And when Jesus says to you, get some rest, he's not saying, take a three-month vacation. Go on a cruise. What he's saying is receive my presence. Put your life, particularly your work life, put your work life in alignment with me. And the next verse is a perfect capstone to how we get rest. Verse 16. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. That word need is, it's a need for rest. It's, it's the need points of life. That's why we have access. And I love it, even the wording here, it doesn't make prayer pompous, it doesn't make it pious. It's not even called prayer, although that's what it's talking about. It's let us then with confidence draw near to God. And the confidence means let us be able to come, let us come before God into his presence without any shame, without any hiding, without any posing, without any pretending. Let's just come boldly with confidence And notice how his throne is described with one clarifying word, throne of grace. This next Sunday, we're going to spend the whole Sunday morning on this one verse. But the punchline of this verse is to receive what we've been exhorted to in the whole chapter, and that is to receive mercy and grace to help. Basically, mercy and grace is what we need for there to be rest. Mercy's been described as not getting from God what we deserve. And grace has been described as getting what we don't deserve. Well, there's a lot that I'm thankful for that I don't get from God that I, that I deserve. His judgment. He deserves to reject me. But not all those are off the table because of Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I'm accepted. I don't ever have to fear his rejection. I get mercy. I get what I don't deserve. But I not only get what I don't deserve from the Lord, as as we see here, I also get this thing of grace. I get all the benefits that come with Jesus. As it says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will we, he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And as you begin this new year, God, I'm telling you, God wants to reset you with his blessing. He wants to reset you with his mercy and with his grace. He wants to put your life in proper alignment so that with all your studies, if if you're basically, if your assignment these days is as a student, with all the pages you read and the papers you write and the exams you prepare for and all the hours that you put into it, do it not for yourself but for the glory of God. And that is where your rest will come from. Well, all you parents that work so hard with your children, receive the rest of God by doing it all for his glory. Those in the workforce, those in the medical profession, in sales, in technology, in finance, in legal profession, other areas that you serve in, and you serve well and you serve diligently, do it all for the glory of Christ. God today says to you, get some rest. And you access the rest 
because His Word promises it, the person of Jesus, the high priest, delivers it. And you download it, you receive it, you appropriate it at His throne. And that throne is the throne of grace. Hallelujah. As we begin this new year together, we've structured our service so that we can have communion together. I hope as you came in, you got a packet of, um, a plastic packet. It's on the top. There's two little tabs. They're both one on top of the other. There's the thin little cellophane uh, tab that covers the wafer, and then the, the thicker tab that you pull off in a moment um, to access the juice. But if, if uh, are there any that didn't get one? We've got some uh, guys uh, passing them around. Just keep your hand up and um, we'll get them to you. Just get your hand up and we'll get that to you. Okay. Um, someone all the way over to the opposite side, Michael. Uh, over here. There's one up here also. Okay, Michael, I'm sorry. Okay, we got one going over there. We, okay, there's one more up here. One more up here. You see, Michael's flowing. It looks like he's working and striving, but he's actually, he's resting. Hallelujah. Resting. So, what you hold in your hands is a clever design of communion. But what you have access to is the throne. And it's good to eat and drink this to remember Jesus, but it's better to access the throne. And God wants to establish for you today a covenant of love that gives you access nonstop to rest. To rest. Have you been striving? Trying to make it work your own way? Living your own life? Maybe being your own God? Or your work, your God? Today I call you to a different throne. This throne is one of grace. It's a throne where you can receive mercy and grace to help in the stress points of your life. God wants to reset you today. The love that you shared last year God wants to replace with new love for this next year. The energy that you served with last year, God wants to infuse new energy for you to serve this coming year. Assignments that you completed last year, that's good, let them go. The accomplishments, the accolades, the whatever benefit you receive from that, let that go. God has new things for you this year. He wants to reset you. And as we, we're going to have a song sung over us, that the blood will never lose its power. I want to encourage you to find a moment where you can come right now before you head out 
to this throne and receive the rest of a clear conscience. The rest of realigning your life under Christ. Receive rest today as you receive the bread and the juice. This represents the work Jesus did and the striving he went through to set you free from your striving. It's when his body was broken and his blood was shed on the cross that Jesus was forsaken by the Father and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off from the rest of God that he enjoyed for all eternity past and is enjoying today and all eternity future. But for that window of time, he entered the misery of striving without rest, working without rest, and he did it for you so that today you can receive the peace of Christ. Would you stand with me right now? All over the room, let's stand together, please. And if you'd like to come forward here and stand with a friend or if you're with your spouse to come, but I encourage you to make a moment if you're there with a family, you can certainly stay there. But some of you, I want to encourage you to come on down here. But rather than me leading us all simultaneously to eat the bread and the, to drink the juice, I want you to do this as your moment with Jesus. As you approach confidently his throne of grace. Father, now we welcome the grace and mercy of God. We praise you for the bread and the cup. We set these emblems aside and we put ourselves before you as living sacrifices. Lord, we put our lives in alignment under you and all the work of our hands that you've assigned to us, we want to do to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Meet us now in these moments, we pray.